Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. Crossed up by Kobe. Well, floated Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. But speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Drawing About the G-Man, the Giants football podcast. I'm your host, as always, Big Jace, joined by Joe Guire and Sean Scanlon. And, I mean, we talked a little bit about the draft last week, but it's it's a, we're basically in April now, and that's draft time. So I thought, hey, let's take a closer look at something that we talked a lot about last week in the offensive linemen. Joe and Trevor, you guys went back and forth about it. So let's dive in deeper into what this draft class holds. And for the Giants, starting off with, I think, my personal opinion, the best offensive lineman in this draft in Penny Sewell. Joe, what do you think of this guy? And how did you think about the Giants? Yeah, this guy's like just a tremendous player. He's the obvious consensus um, top offensive lineman. He certainly would be good for the New York Giants. The question is, is you know, how high does this guy go? Whether this guy ends up being a top five pick, or does the rush on quarterbacks obviously, you know, maybe drop him into uh, the Giants' laps, which would be fantastic. Um, yeah, again, just kind of looking at this guy, uh, you know, you he could play right or left tackle. He could play a guard position if you wanted him to. So there's a, a lot of good things that come with Penny Sewell. Unfortunately, I just don't think uh, the possibility of him being available is necessarily going to be. Um, I mean, I, I, the keys, they just did their mock draft and they got them. They got him falling there, so that th- that might be in the realm of possibility. Sean, do you think the Giants could get could end up snagging him come draft night? No, I don't think there's uh, any shot at that. Obviously, like Joe said, I-, I think he's far and away the best O lineman in the draft. Um, I mean, for the last couple of years, not even you know just this year, he's been highly touted. Could have been a top ten pick, you know, if he uh, if his eligibility was done and he went to the draft, you know, for the past two or three years. So. Uh, he, he's, a, you know, the best tackle in this draft. Uh, a lot of, you know, great comparisons out there to like uh, who he could be like Trent Williams is uh, one of the comparisons I saw. So uh, he's super powerful. He, he also does pretty good against speed rushers. So uh, I don't think he's going to be there. Even if there is a run at quarterbacks, I, I think that a uh, team's going to end up nabbing him uh, before the 11 picks. So uh, it would be great to have him. Obviously, uh, the, the Giants line could use some help, but uh, I, I don't think there's any possibility of him being there. But I'd hopefully... Uh, I, I, I hopefully we're wrong in that uh, he could be there because David Gettleman, you know, he loves his hog mollies. He, he would run right up to the board. 
Oh, heck yeah. I mean, I, I love Penny Sewell. I remember vividly him against the the Utah defensive line a couple years ago in the Pac-12 championship game, and uh, he just dominated. Uh, I, I've been watching a lot. I mean, when he – he obviously opted out last year, but, prior, but the year prior, Justin Herbert would have read options that he didn't even need to read. Because Penny Sewell already was blocking a guy twenty yards down the field, so he just handed off and run behind Sewell. And I, I think this dude's generational when it comes to the O line. He's going to be solid. And uh, I mean, we saw glimpses of Andrew Thomas, but I don't think you pass up Sewell, even though you, you got Andrew Thomas there. If you're the Giants, he is a beast. Yeah, yeah, you could never have enough depth. So I don't, I don't think that would be even be a question if if he's there at eleven. No, yeah, not at all. But I, I mean, Joe, you mentioned it. There's a lot. I, I think this draft class, as far as offensive linemen, is really interesting because there are a lot of guys who can change up position wise. And one guy is Northwestern's Rashawn Slater. He played tackle in college. A lot of te- a lot of uh, experts think he might. Uh, end up playing guard maybe even center joe what do you think of this guy and will he fit in with the giants well i I like him a lot you know he's he's got uh i guess shorter arms than you want from an nfl tackle which is part of the reason why uh you know the the thought is that he might end up at guard which again i think if you're the giants i think this is a really great guy for you this is the kind of guy where if you're going to run a rotation and he could play left tackle left uh, uh right tackle and right guard you know, it, it, it again, I think the Giants are in such good shape because of what they've done in free agency that it really opens it up where, again, I think a guy like this, it, three weeks ago, if you would have told me this was going to be the Giants' first-round pick, I would have been losing my mind. And now I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, this guy might be perfect. This could be a, a really good guy to sort of move around that offensive line where you need him. Yeah, and, I mean, we, we saw, especially this year, how much the movement of the offensive line with uh, Hernandez and Lemieux, and that that did benefit uh, a lot. So, Sean, where where do you think he will fit in well on the Giants? I think he would fit in perfectly, um, and I I think there is a realistic chance that he's there at eleven. But uh, just you know the versatility of him being you know able to play tackle or guard, uh, you know I, I really like a lot because I mean there's four positions right there that you know he could secure in the old line, and uh, I think you. I think the O-line, the weakest spot right now is the guard position. Obviously, after the release of Kevin Zeitler, uh, I mean, Will Hernandez and Shane Lemieux, like you said, Shane Lemieux is, you know, he played decent in his first couple of games, but he's been, you know, he's terrible in pass protection. He's a good run blocker. but And then Will Hernandez, I mean, after his rookie year, the, he, he kind of has been a no-show the past couple of years and then getting benched last year. So I think we could definitely use some, uh, some added help there. And then, you know, if he is able to, you know, slide in the tackle spot too. It's just, you know, added versatility to this O-line that definitely needs it. So uh, Rashawn Slater is uh, a, a guy that I think could be there. And if, if he is there, I would uh, I would love that pick for the Giants. You know, the other cool thing, Sean, is too, I think this is a really good kind of first-round pick for the Giants and that there's not a lot of pressure on this guy, that you could yeah. bring this guy. You don't expect him to be necessarily a starter. But again, where he could – Maybe he ends up as the starting right tackle, and and maybe Solder plays more of a backup role to Thomas and Slater. 
you know, uh, it, this would really, I, I think, be a, a good move for it puts Slater in a good spot. It gives you a chance to really utilize what this guy can do. It's a nice compliment, again, because there's so many question marks already on this offensive line. I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants go uh, with with a few picks uh, on the offensive line. I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. I think they would certainly like to find some more depth. Mm. Yeah, and if he if he does play tackle, you know he went against some really good competition in the Big Ten. Um, you know Chase Young's last year against Chase Young, he he locked him down. That was one of his best performances. And then he went up with guys against or guys like you know Yetter Gross Matos from Penn State, uh, AJ Epinesa from Iowa. So he's seen some really good competition. So I I trust I have trust in this guy that you know he could play both positions. And uh, you know like I said, the versatility on the O line is huge uh, to be able to plug and play you know wherever uh, the team needs you most. Yeah, and I, 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 he's very interesting. I, I think he'll fit in very well with the Giants. Uh, another guy I really like, another versatile guy, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. I mean, I, I got to mention my Pac-12 guys. You know, he he's a beast. He's another guy very versatile. Played guard and tackle in college, so he's very very good. Um, I, and another, I I don't want to bring up the talk too much about Utah. But that Utah team, their only other loss besides Oregon was to USC, and Elijah Vera Tucker was there helping stop that good uh, that Utah defensive line. So I, I like him a lot. Another guy that's really really solid, Christian Dershaw. He's flying up the the char- the draft boards. He played himself in this season. So a strong uh, strong tackle. Uh, Joe, out of those two, who 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 do you think would fit the best with the Giants? Uh, again, uh, Tucker and I and I say for sort of the same reason. This is a guy who I mean, he's not a great pass blocker. Run the run game is sort of his thing, which obviously is more the Giants' speed, so it makes a little bit more sense. Again, a, a guy who's played guard and tackle, and again, like I said, would be a, a quality first round pick, and that not a ton of pressure for this guy to be a superstar, but just get in part of the rotation. Maybe he earns a starting spot. I think he's to, I, I like him better. No offense to, to Derrishaw. Um, I know he's kind of moving up the board a little bit, but I don't know at 11. That's a, I mean, maybe in a situation where maybe the giants trade back, you know, he, he might be a, a, a nicer later first round pick for me. Um, but again, this is the thing, you know, uh, it's funny. The Keys brothers and I were, were joking. They they did their mock draft this week and, and they took some offense to yeah. something I said a couple weeks ago about I hate mock drafts. But what I mean to say is I hate mock drafts before the free agency because, again, if you did a mock draft for the Giants a couple weeks ago, you were like, oh, Devontae Smith, right? And now you're like, ooh, an offensive lineman would be a great piece to add. That wasn't the case just a couple weeks ago. So you could do all the mock drafts you want until teams sort of figure out what they need and what they go out and get to add to their roster. Doing a mock draft, I think, is a waste. They did a really great mock draft. I like Penny Sewell dropping to the Giants. I hope it shakes out that way. (laughs) Um, You know, I, I I think there's a real premium right now on quarterbacks and it looks like they're going to fly right off the top of the board it makes sense that's what the nfl is all about um it would be shocking for a guy like penny sewell i think sean for him to drop 
any further. I mean, I know there's a lot of great offensive talent, but I think there's a lot of teams in the top 10 ahead of the Giants where when those quarterbacks are off the board, they're going to really have to think long and hard about some of these offensive linemen. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's the the reason I don't think Penesul will drop that far is because I don't I don't see him going past the Bengals. Um, they need a lot of help in that O line. We obviously saw with Joe Burrow, he you know he looked great to this to start his rookie year, but he was just getting beaten up, you know, every single game. And then obviously he he tears his ACL and he's out for the year. So, I mean, I, I think a team like that, I mean, has to jump all over Penesul. So that's uh, that's the re- I kind of agree. Uh, you know, the the mock drafts, it's. There, I don't think anyone gets it right uh, any year. And all the mouth drafts that they do, they do like five versions of them, but I don't think anyone gets it right. So I think it's a good like baseline to see, you know, what team, you know, what needs that they have and kind of who falls in line with that. But at the end of the day, it's you don't know what's going on in, in that war room with uh, what the GM is thinking and all the, the personnel. So I think that, you know, it really comes down to uh, – so, uh, some teams base, uh, you know, draft on need. Some teams draft on, you know, who is their best player on their board. So you really never know at the end of the day. But I, I agree. I don't. I, I would love Penesul as a giant. I mean, that would be fantastic if he ever fell to eleven. That would be a dream come true. But I just, uh, I don't see it happening. Well, I, I think realistically, we are going to end up seeing someone like a Penesul or a Jalen Waddle or a wide receiver end up dropping. That right. might might be juicy, but this my question to you, Sean, is it if there is a wide receiver, is there a certain wide receiver that would uh, overlap the so so you don't pick a offensive lineman if you are the Giants? Is there anyone who's too good? Even though the Giants just got Galladay, is there someone that would hop over a lineman? Um. Yeah, I, I I think if Devontae Smith falls to there, I I mean I would be all over that because I mean the the offense obviously we added Galladay, but I mean we still were 31st in scoring last year. We we've been a terrible offense for the past couple of years, so I I just think that you can never get enough uh talent there, and especially if Sewell and Slater off the board. Um, I I think those are the two you know best options uh for the offensive line. I think you know the other guys might be you know end of the first round, maybe early second round guys. So. Uh, I think if Devontae Smith is there, you have to hop all over that, or even Jamar Chase, which I don't expect he'll that he'll be there. I think he's going to go a little bit earlier. But a guy like Devontae Smith, uh, I don't think you could pass on him. Just the the versatility that he brings uh, to the wide receiving core, I, I think that would be absolutely dynamic to have a player like him. Um, and I, I think that Jalen Waddle could be there too. But uh, like I said, it depends if if Slater's there or not. Um, yeah, but if, if both of them are off the board, I would take either one of those, uh, wide receivers though, but especially Devontae Smith, I, I think that he'd be, you know, obviously a huge target for Daniel Jones in this, uh, offense. Yeah, I, I would say the same thing as Sean. I think either one of those receivers again, I, and I don't expect, I mean, if you're lucky, one of them slips down, I doubt it. Um, I would expect them all with like the quarterbacks to be out by nine, um, yeah. With Penny Sewell in there as well, which again is why I I I do think Slater uh, is probably the most likely guy to be there. I think another guy that you probably couldn't not pick is Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I know people are crazy about him. The Giants could certainly uh, draft Pitts. Obviously, the addition of Kyle Rudolph uh, to you know what's already a pretty deep roster position for the Giants. Who's to say they couldn't? Uh, move Engram uh, or or do something else with Engram, it's certainly a possibility. So I think that's one of those things where 
the Giants would just sort of have to see how things shake out that day. I'm sure there's been feelers out on Ingram. I mean, I would even assume teams have probably called up to ask uh, what it would take to pry him loose. You know, I, I'd say this. I think for a lot of Giants fans, I know people are kind of over Evan Ingram. He's still a great talent in this league. And, and, and again, I'm sure that there are teams all over this league that would give up some quality uh, in order to acquire a guy like that. So, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. I know people are super down on this guy, but don't forget whether you like it or not. He was a pro bowler this year. Yes, he was. So, he was you know, you can't, you can't ignore the fact that the guy made the pro bowl. You know, I know we sort of deep dove his numbers a few weeks ago. And, you know, by even his own standard, it wasn't a great season for Evan Ingram. So there's definitely some upside there. There's some room to grow. You know, I think maybe even the pressure of, of Galladay uh, being there and and maybe with Saquon back, not necessarily feeling like you're the main guy uh, or, or necessarily the go-to guy for Daniel Jones. Maybe that'll make Evan Ingram better. Maybe that'll stop some of these huge drops that are obviously killing the Giants. Uh, and maybe he can win the fans back. Yeah, we will see. But we're going to take a break from the Giants and look at the NFL. But first, here's a word from Clovergrass Media. The Closing Time Podcast is back, sponsored by Rocky Hill Accountants. I'm Joe Aguirre. I'll have a brand new co-host, Sanam Salati, who's my broker, my mentor, and my good friend, and one of the most knowledgeable people in Connecticut in the entire real estate industry. We're going to be talking about the latest goings-on. We'll keep you up to date on the market, and we're going to bring on some really great guests all throughout this season, people in all different fields in the industry like accountants, home inspectors, mortgage reps, and so much more just to give you a better understanding of the Connecticut real estate market. We're so excited for a brand-new season of the Closing Time Podcast, part of the CMG Podcast Network. It's sponsored by Rocky Hill Accountants. Go see Heidi and Glenn Parchman to file your taxes for bookkeeping, business advice, real estate investments, or whatever your accounting needs are, including cryptocurrency. Just visit RockyHillAccountants.com. We'll see you all season long on the Closing Time Podcast. Make sure you check out the Closing Time Podcast as well as any other podcast at CloverCrestMedia.com. You can also find John about the G-Men there. But... Let's move on to the league and a big story coming out. Deshaun Watson, 21 allegations against him, lawsuits filed. Uh, I kind of want to keep this in the more in the realm of football. Joe, will Deshaun Watson be playing next season? No, absolutely he won't. Um, you know, look, when this was three women – and uh, Rusty Harden had evidence that one of them was lying, and so you had to question the credibility of the other ones. There was, you know, I think maybe some hope for the big Deshaun Watson fans out there um, that that maybe this was um, uh, an extortion attempt of some sort. And and then uh, next thing I knew, there were 15 allegations, and you just say, what, we're up to 21? Yep. Yeah, it's uh, you. You could possibly never see this guy in the NFL again. Uh, it, it, you know, look, that's a lot of people saying something. If 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 twenty of them are lying, he's probably still going to jail. Yeah, uh, it, it's sad. I mean, I, I really, really, really am a big fan of Deshaun Watson, and um, 
you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say here. This is uh, such an unfortunate thing for the NFL uh, and for the Houston Texans. And, and I, I don't know, man, this is, this is bad news. I, I hope that there's some positive resolution here, but it, it this, it, this gets worse by the day. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and of course this guy certainly didn't endear himself to Texans fans. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't know how, how passionate they are about this guy right now. It, it, to me, this is just a really bad scenario. There was already some, some ish with him in the commission, uh, with the, uh, not the commissioner. I meant the, uh, the general manager and the owner and the coach. So I don't know, man, like this is. This is it's not a good time to beat Deshaun Watson. I could say that. Yeah, but I mean, he asked for a trade, and this is this has probably been a big reason why he hasn't been traded. That they probably had some sort of idea this was going on before it came became public. But uh I would have traded him if I was them. <laughs> Holy yeah. smokes. Fourth rounder, I'll take it. They're like, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Trust <Yeah>. me. <laughs> but, I don't mean to make light of it because that's not cool. But, no, yeah, no. I mean, uh, if Houston knew about this and and, and held on to him because of that, uh, kudos to them for um, not being dirty because they – I say I would have done that. That's an underhanded thing to do. I don't think I really would have. You know, it's like selling a, a, a pitcher and no one has got a bum arm. Who does yeah. that? The Red Sox, what? Uh, Corey Kluber is uh, you, you signed him, but don't go there. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is bad though. I, you know, uh, I'll tell you too the impact that this is having on. I again, not to make light of this, but fantasy football. Yeah, I mean, dude, this is I traded Deshaun Watson away right before all this happened. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. That was smart of you. That's what I'm saying. Um, I don't know. It, this is a horrible thing for the NFL. And I, and I feel like it's every couple of years, man, like somebody does something horrible to women and the NFL has to take it on the chin. I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. They got to do a better job educating these gentlemen, uh, on proper protocols. And, and I've said this for a really long time that I think schools like Clemson, for instance, Alabama, Miami, Florida, all the schools, Ohio State, where guys are coming out of Iowa, they should all be teaching classes on professionalism and teaching these guys how to surround themselves with the right people and the right management and the right masseuses, you know, and to know how to conduct yourself while getting a massage and, and how it should end with a handshake and, uh, you know, money exchanging hands and nothing else, you know. Um, that you shouldn't go home and beat your wife. And if you're having issues and look, it's, it, it, these guys are, these guys are modern day gladiators to expect these guys to turn it off when they get home and be like, we are is, is an impossibility. You see the same thing, Jason, in, in MMA yeah. in boxing, that these guys tend to be a little bit more violent probably than your everyday American, but that's, they make their living punching people out. They make their 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 living butting heads all day. What do you think is going to happen when they get into a, a a conflict situation? Nothing good. But again, you got you got you know you basically what what you end up is with 20, 21, 22 year old kids getting to the NFL. Many of them 
poor growing up, except for whatever money Nike maybe paid them uh, to go to whatever college they wanted them to go to. Um, most of these guys are poor, and then suddenly they've got millions of dollars, and they don't yeah. know how to behave. Nope. Um, I appreciate your comment, Ovi. No, there's definitely no excuses for violence, uh, and I'm I'm not suggesting there is. I'm suggesting that you've got people who's who are are trained in in a very violent field. I think you need to do a better job of showing these guys how to how to bring it down a few levels when the game is over. That that's my point. Viol- I'm, I'm, I won't I won't excuse the violence. I won't excuse the, the his behavior. I'm not, I'm not excusing any of that. I'm just saying these guys get put in an awkward situation where you go from being just some poor kid at college to being a millionaire in like an afternoon. It's an amazing thing. And you see it time and time again, man. Ray Carruth, 1997. I was a huge fan of Colorado football at the time. He played with Rashawn Salam and uh, Cordell Stewart. That, that was my... Used to bang it out on the sticks on the old Sega Genesis. You know what I mean? Dude, Ray Carruth, I don't know what was going that that dude had just signed a multi-million dollar deal and and went on went with the guy who he paid to assassinate his girlfriend who was pregnant. You went with him? What are you a moron? Like again, what would make a human being do something like that? It's that air of like invincibility. There's no one's going to tell me no. I just paid someone to go shoot my girlfriend. I want to go. All right, cool. None of that's a good idea, but there's no one there to say don't do it. There's no one there to teach these young people how to become professionals. And it's a shame. And that's why you see this kind of stuff over and over and over again. Yeah. And I mean, also, like, look at the sport. Like, they are running at each other full speed. Like, you're getting hit. Like uh, every play for fo- every hit in football is basically a, a car crash. Like, yes. So like, and I mean, Deshaun Watson didn't have the best. He, I mean, you could say something like that might have something to do with this, but uh, just it, it's sad that one of the best players uh, has to end his one of the best quarterbacks has to ha- have this on his resume, but. I mean, Mike Vick. Look at Mike Vick. What happened with Atlanta? Then he came back, didn't win anything with the Eagles, but he did have a little bit of a redemption season. So I, I just hope that Deshaun Watson can find that for himself. But let's move on to something a little bit brighter. With the Giants – acquiring the wide receiver one that they needed in Kenny Galladay over free agency. Who is the greatest wide receiver in Giants history? Sean, you can go first. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to go. I mean, I think like the most accomplished receiver in uh, Giants history would be Amani Toomer. But uh, I I, I mean, the guy that I'm going to go with, though, is uh, the greatest that I saw, at least, because I only saw the the back end of Amani Toomer's career. So, I'm going to go with Odell Beckham. Uh, I mean, I, I think that just his first three years in the league, I mean, you could argue he was the best receiver in the league. Uh, they were uh, the first two years, they were on some terrible teams, but he made the Giants watchable. Uh, and, I mean, if it, it weren't for the injuries, uh, I, obviously I feel terrible for Odell. I, I, I wish we never traded him. I know that a lot of Giants fans uh, 
don't have a lot of love for Odell, but I, I still love Odell for, you know, the, the memories that he brought me uh, those first couple of years, but he was just absolutely electric. Uh, he would take over games by himself. Some games, I just remember the 2016 season, uh, the game against the Ravens where he had over 200 plus yards, two touchdowns in the, in the game winner. Uh, same, that same year against the Cowboys, they won a game 10 to seven and he was the only touchdown that game. So, he could literally take a slant uh, 60, 70 yards to the house uh, whenever he touched the ball. So I just the, – the electricity that he brought to the team, um, I mean, just the the joy that he brought uh, into every Giants uh, fan's living room, I, I just think that he was the most talented Giants receiver that I ever saw. Um, obviously, I, it, it sucks that he got traded, and it's I, I feel bad that he's had a lot of injuries since then, even in, in Cleveland. So, But I, I think that – Odell was the the greatest Giants receiver that I ever saw. Um, even though I, I would put Victor Cruz up there too. I well, uh, wrong. Oh no, yeah. there, he is. there he is. Victor Cruz, my guy. Uh, but I, I I think that Odell would be the greatest uh, Giants receiver I ever saw. Sean, well done. I said uh, my answer is Victor Cruz. Uh, and I I've told us I know you guys know I was at the game where his career basically ended. Um. His first three years in the league were phenomenal, uh, and really only Odell, uh, in Giants history at least, uh, outplayed Victor Cruz. Victor Cruz really, I think, came at a great time for the Giants. Uh, he brought a lot of razzle-dazzle with the, with the salsa dancing. Um, it's a shame that he and Odell didn't get to play together. Um, they did for one year, but yeah. I, I mean, I mean, when, when the he same, was, yeah, right. When, 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 if, if he, I mean, had the injury not happened and you had those two together, hell, I mean, my goodness, where the Giants might be today. Um, but, but you're also right when you said, uh, you know, to me, the most impactful receiver in Giants history, and I've been watching them for a really long time, it's Amani Toomer. Um, five straight thousand yard seasons. I, I, I mean, any, anybody who's been a Giants fan. Uh, knows the impact that Amani Toomer had uh, from 1996 to 2008. Uh, you know, this guy, so many big catches, such a steady performer. He's kind of everything you you want in a in a receiver. Uh, you know, big big strong kid, and um, yeah, uh, there were other people uh, who popped into my head, but. You know, it's it's funny. Again, I, I I said last week about this Giants secondary. I think it's the greatest secondary they've ever put together. Giants have never really been a, a huge receiver team, um, and really before Amani Toomer, there there weren't a lot of guys who were you know uh, wide receiver one. Um, you know, I, look, uh, Ovi just popped in Plexigo Burris. Great, Plex wasn't there very long. If yeah, Sean, if he, you know, that incident never happens, then oh, good, who, uh, ten and one the next year. Who knows what what would have happened if that didn't happen? And, and again, the 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 fate of the Giants and and even Eli Manning's career, what that might have been like. I mean, him and Plax had a magical thing going on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, like 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 we rarely seen. Uh, you know, I would I would put those up there with with any of the two great combos, quarterback receiver in the history of the game. Uh, you know, for, for the peak, for their peak performance, those guys were on the same page. Like again, to have lived through, through it, um, as an adult, um, whereas you guys saw it probably more as children, uh, and, and knowing the history of the giants, it's one of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, and, and that hurt the giants so bad when Plex blew it, but, um, yeah. 
yeah, the, I like that pick with Amani Toomer though, because if we're talking about all these guys, most of them, you know, ended with career-ending injuries. Or I mean, Plaxico with the you know the shoot the shooting his legs situation. Victor Cruz obviously, you know, has that patella tendon against the Eagles. Odell, you know, who gets hurt in his uh, fourth year and then gets traded. And then even a guy like uh, Hakeem Nix, who had a had a lot of talent, had a lot of upside, but really just could never stay healthy. So. I think Amani Toomer is that one that one consistent guy that really had that long career and then ended up uh, winning a Super Bowl late in his career. So I I, I do like that pick. Yeah, uh, Amani Toomer's the the guy. I I did have Akeem Hicks there. I mean back to back thousand yard seasons, which resulted in which culminated in the Super Bowl. So uh, I mean he he was very solid. He was the closest thing to a, a number one receiver the Giants had in that on that uh team. So uh I, I really liked Hakeem Nix. Um so that that's why but ultimately yeah the greatest wide receiver in Giants history is Amadi Tumor. And I, I think it's pretty easy, pretty simple. I like that we all agreed on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I figured he would be the pick. That's why I wanted to go with Odell, just because I I think if he, if he never got hurt, I I think he easily would be number one. But Amani Tumor, I would have to have to put there. Same reason I wanted to mention my man Victor Cruz. I felt like you know it's easily Amani Tumor again. You know, having watched Victor Cruz, you know what that guy could have done, and especially if if it would have been him and Odell. Good lord. The possibilities, man. Yikes. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. I think Odell probably had the best three year stretch, but the the 2011 season, uh, Victor Cruz, I I think he had 15,000 receiving yards. It, it's up, or not 15,000. That'd be hundred. Yeah, 15, yeah, fifteen hundred. <laughs> but I, I think that's the most. It by felt Giants. like fifteen thousand that year. <laughs> it, it sure did. Yeah, but I that's the most by a Giants receiver uh, in history, and it's up there for I, I think probably close to top 10 or top 15 for all time receiving yards. So he he probably has the best single uh, season though by a Giants receiver. Can you imagine a scenario, say, where the Giants would have had Cruz pre-injury with Beckham, pre-injury and all that, and Barkley? I mean, you'd have legit had three guys on the field who, on any touch, to the house. Mm -hmm. That would have been so exciting to watch. Yeah, because it's crazy to think about, but Victor Cruz right now, he's still only like... Uh, young to mid thirties, right? I mean, it, it's because I mean he's been out of the league for quite a while now. But it, it's it's crazy to think that he, I mean, easily if those injuries never happened, he could easily still be on this giant squad. Yeah, I mean, he's he, only thirty. He's only thirty four right now. It, it is wild. I mean, also you look at a guy like Calvin Johnson. He's he's not that old either, yeah. but he's retired. So yeah, but uh, yeah, maybe one day we could be. Kenny Galladay could be in this discussion. Hope so. We shall see, though. But uh, that is going to do it for drawing about the G-Men this week. Thank you, Joe and Sean, for joining me. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, all the guys in the comments. Sander, Ovi, thanks for uh, tuning in. And we will see you next week to talk more Giants football. So for, so for myself, Big Jace. Joe Guire, Sean Scanlon, take care, and we'll see you next week.